Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Matthew Wade is a longtime advocate and former editor-in-chief of The Star Observer. When he isn't trying to tell anyone who will listen why Waiting to Exhale is one of the best films of the 90s, he likes to volunteer at Joy 94.9 and the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. When I moved to Melbourne from regional Victoria, I was only certain of three things. Uh, That I was gay, uh, that I hadn't yet met any other openly gay people, um, and that I still knew all of the words to Lil' Kim's magnum opus, How Many Licks. (laughs) And I still do. Um, It was a liminal period in my life. I had just graduated from high school, and in an effort to run away from the homophobia that had permeated my adolescence, I enrolled to study at a university in the city. Up until that point, my sex life had been confined to one underwhelming hand job gifted to me during a camping trip in year nine. (laughs) And my dating life had been confined to an imaginary relationship um, I'd been in with Fresh Prince era Will Smith. (laughs) As far as I could tell though, Melbourne was going to change that. As a bright-eyed and eager university student, I was going to meet other openly gay people, get involved in queer activism, shake off the homogeny that had plagued the small town that I grew up in, and have sex to more thoroughly explore my body and what it desired. In my bid to achieve the latter, I swiftly found myself frequenting beats and sex-on-premises venues, much like the generations of gay and bisexual men before me. For anyone that hasn't been to a gay bathhouse before, It's kind of like a real-life simulation of Grindr, though unlike an ideal Grindr hookup, the bedding is less comfortable, uh, and there's no opportunity to softly play boys to men in the background. (laughs) A sojourn in a bathhouse can be exhilarating, pleasurable, and new, just as often as it can be disappointing or stale. And what I quickly learned as I started to visit sex on premises venues and explore sex for the first time was the unspoken etiquette expected of their patrons. I found that men rarely spoke in these spaces, mostly opting for non-verbal communication instead, and when they did speak, it was understandably to negotiate sex. Anonymity was key to cruising, so striking up a conversation with a fellow patron to find out more about them was considered an act of breaking the fourth wall. Uh, Many men seemed reticent to acknowledge that we were real people with separate lives outside of the darkened halls of the bathhouse. And it was assumed that you would never sleep with the same person twice. Each visit to the bathhouse would bring with it a new and fun tryst, and you'd rarely, if ever, get between the metaphorical sheets with a repeat player. I broke every single one of these perceived rules during my early days in Melbourne, but my experience breaking the last of these, the one advising against sleeping with the same bearded stranger twice, remains the most memorable. Within weeks of my introduction to bathhouses, I had somehow found myself with a sauna boyfriend. His name was Michael, and I referred him as my sauna boyfriend because our faux relationship was confined to the dimly lit and grimy rooms that populated the sex on premises venues. 
we never saw each other in the outside world. I'd arrive at the bathhouse where Michael would be already be waiting, sorry, take my clothes off, uh, wrap a modesty towel around my waist and follow him to a room where we'd have decent sex, chat for an hour and then go our separate ways. We never played with other parties uh, and we'd wash up in the showers together afterwards as part of our post-coitus ritual. We'd wash, rinse and repeat this routine a few times a week. As someone who had limited sexual and relationship experience at the time, it was genuinely exciting. I was in Melbourne, I was exploring sex in my body, and I had Michael, who was happy to assist me with that on the regular. For me, it was what I imagined the intimacy and regularity of a real-life relationship would feel like without the con commitment or the label. I was having my gay cake and eating it too. While the bathhouse was a transient place that saw men coming and going around the clock, I liked the space that Michael and I had carved out for ourselves there. We were a microcosm of bathhouses across the city. At the time, I felt that real-life dating and relationships could wait and that I was happy to ride the sauna boyfriend train until it naturally petered out. I should have known that I was being naive. It started with copious texting. Uh, Michael and I had exchanged numbers so that we could coordinate our trips to the bathhouse, but it didn't take long for Michael to extend our text conversations beyond diary planning. At first, he just checked in to see how I was going from time to time before graduating to essay length and almost nonsensical messages that professed his love for me. If I hadn't responded within an hour, I'd end up with 10 missed calls from him before the day was over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then he started following me around the city. The first time he texted me and said that he'd seen me walking with a friend on campus at university, I thought it was a funny coincidence. By the fourth and fifth times, I'd realized that it wasn't. At one point, I saw him parked across the street as I was leaving one of my lectures, and so I hurried along the path until I was out of his sight. I had broken the cardinal rules of the bathhouse by connecting with and regularly seeing Michael there, and it was beginning to backfire. I tried to scale back the number of times I visited the bathhouse, as well as my responses to Michael's messages, but I was kind of in over my head. I was barely 20 years old with no adequate experience in navigating love, relationships, or sex, and I'd foolishly entered into a contract with Michael without first agreeing on the terms. Where I thought we were enjoying a fun but superficial bathhouse-bound relationship, Michael obviously had other longer-lasting ideas. A few months into our dalliance, a dalliance I was trying my hardest to gradually pull away from, Michael's advances culminated in an impromptu visit to my house on a Saturday morning. To this day, I have no idea how he found my address, um, but he pulled up to my driveway nonetheless. When he rang the doorbell, I ignored it, and so he paced down to the sidewalk before coming back and trying again. Uh, he repeated this multiple times for roughly 30 minutes or so before going back to his car and watching my house through the passenger window for another 30 minutes. My heart didn't stop racing until he finally drove away. It was after this that I blocked his number and severed contact with Michael for good. What had begun as an innocent exploration of intimacy and sex had, over months, devolved into Michael taking advantage of my naivety and stalking me until I had been left with no choice but to scram. The rose-coloured glasses I'd been wearing up until that point when viewing relationships from afar had been broken and avoid someone that stalks you had quickly become my number one priority when meeting somebody new. When I first began to visit bathhouses, I wanted it all. 
I wanted to experience both the thrill of sex in an exciting environment and the intimacy that comes with it, comes with a deeper relationship. And Michael turned out to be an unfortunate byproduct of those desires. Michael invaded boundaries of mine that I hadn't realized existed, and in doing so, opened my eyes to the harsher realities of dating and relationships. Thankfully, he didn't prevent me from continuing to visit sex on premises venues, or else I would have missed out on a number of wonderful experiences within their darkened halls. If anything, he gave me a clearer sense of what I was interested in, both sexually and romantically. But from that point, I just adopted the bathhouse etiquette I'd avoided for so long to prevent myself from making the same mistake twice. That is, no more repeat lovers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Attention makes me strong and I'm slightly isolated from it at the moment. Share your favourite ones on socials and follow Queer Stories on Facebook, plus me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. If you enjoy Queer Stories, consider signing up to my Patreon. The link's in the podcast description. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.